Hello and welcome to the podcast of TechU. I am your host, Andrew Degler, and today we are going to talk about e-scooters and hear from Nicolas Brusson, the co-founder and CEO of BlaBlaCar. But before we dive into my favorite topic, let us turn to our reporter, Annie Musgrove, to catch up with the most important tech news in Europe. Hi, I'm Annie Musgrove of TechEU, and here are some of the most important news stories in European tech. This week, we've tracked more than 900 million euros in funding for European startups. The biggest deal of the week was the 100 million euro funding round for Estonia's ride-hailing platform, Bolt. The deal, led by Naya Capital Management, valued Bolt at 1.7 billion euros, Reuters reports. Interestingly, in April, Bolt was also talking to Estonia's government, asking it to guarantee a 50 million euro credit. The state was apparently not interested, so the startup had to come up with another solution. Bolt said the funding would allow it to grab market share in a sector hurt by COVID-19, as lockdowns have kept customers indoors and rivals Uber, Lyft, and SoftBank-backed Ola cut thousands of jobs. Bolt founder and chief executive Marcus Willig said that, quote, in the next 12 to 18 months, we have an opportunity to win market share. Amsterdam-based venture capital firm HenQ has launched its fourth fund, HenQ4, with a first close of 70 million euros. The Dutch VC typically leads pre-seed to Series A rounds in B2B software companies across Europe. In fact, many of the firm's LPs are fellow B2B software entrepreneurs, contributing about half of the new fund. In its first fund, back in 2005, HenQ invested early in Mendix, which led to an over 700 million US dollar acquisition by Siemens. SEO Shop, a portfolio company from HenQ2, was acquired by Lightspeed. Finally, in HenQ3, which landed at 48 million euros, the firm invested in 19 companies, most of which have gone on to secure follow-on funding from other investors. Investment in private equity firm EQT has acquired a majority stake in Freepik, a Spanish online marketplace for graphics and stock photos. The deal values Freepik at 250 million euros, according to a report by a local newspaper El Economista, cited by PE News. Here's a good description of the startup paraphrased from TechCrunch. Freepik was founded back in 2010 and claims to be the largest freemium provider of digital visual content in the world. It has some 32 million monthly visitors to the site, 20 million registered users, and 5 billion downloads to date. The website offers more than 10 million graphic resources, including icons, vectors, photos, and templates. French cloud-based telephony platform Aircall has raised 65 million US dollars to capitalize on the surge in remote communication needs. The round was led by DTCP, with participation from new investors Swisscom and Adam Street, as well as existing investors Balderton Capital, Draper Esprit, eFounders, and Nextworld. The Paris-based scale-up wants to replace outdated phone systems with an integrated voice platform, bringing business telecommunications to the cloud. The service is used by 5,000 businesses worldwide, 3,000 of which are based in Europe. Those include names like NatWest, Spare Room, Mindful Chef, Globo, and Soldo. Ola Electric Mobility has acquired Amsterdam-based Atergo, the Dutch company known for making App Scooter, a fully electric scooter. Silicon Canals noted that earlier this year, the Dutch startup reported it didn't have sufficient money and hoped to get acquired. Ola did not reveal the terms of the deal, but Atergo was valued at 90 million US dollars in its previous funding round, a person familiar with the matter told TechCrunch. The six-year-old startup had raised around 20 million euros before its acquisition, according to Crunchbase. 
Swedish-born Voy Technology has recruited Richard Corbett to head up its operations in the UK, Ireland, and Benelux, TechCrunch reports. Corbett joins from rival Bird, where he spent two years as the UK and Ireland chief, as well as helping to launch e-scooter rentals in the Netherlands. Despite Bird's efforts, it hasn't yet managed to get operational in any of these three countries. At Voy, one of Corbett's first tasks is to continue building out the UK team and working closely with UK local authorities and transport operators. As I mentioned in last week's news catch up, the UK is planning to start limited trials of e-scooters across the country as soon as this month. These were some of the most important European tech news stories from the week of May 25th. I'm Annie Musgrove. Now back to Andre. Annie, thank you so much. And now let us talk about e-scooters, if you don't mind. Annie has just mentioned the story about Voy hiring the former UK manager of Bird, but that was not the only notable news of the week. Let me walk you through the rest, and then we will get to today's interview, which also, of course, has a lot to do with this topic. Let's start from Israel, where the German-born e-scooter startup Wind has just decided to also branch into delivery business. Globes reports that 30 employees of wind will act as messengers and use the company's e-scooters to deliver all sorts of goods from businesses to consumers. Large items that cannot be carried on an electric scooter will be delivered in companies' vehicles, Globes noted. Initially, businesses will not pay wind a commission uh, for the service, but will only be charged a so-called delivery fee. Uh, The company's promise is that it would reach the customer within four hours, so as far as I understand, it's not really aimed at meal delivery, at least not at this moment. And in the future, besides deliveries from businesses to customers, Wind also may offer delivery from one customer to another, so working basically as a sort of a courier service. Now, let's move from Israel to Germany. Uh, the local startup publication Gründerszene reports that e-scooters by Voi and the Swedish company can now be searched, booked, and paid for through the ride-hailing app FreeNow. And in case you're not familiar with that one, uh, FreeNow used to be called MyTaxi, and it is a joint venture between BMW and Daimler Mobility. And this is the first integration uh, with a third-party mobility provider for FreeNow, and the rollout has already begun in Hamburg, and uh, the plan is to add Berlin and Munich soon. And this brings us to what I consider the biggest story of the week, and that one also concerns Voy. So I have to say the Swedish company has been really busy recently, and it seems like it wants to make sure it emerges as strong as possible after the lockdowns are over. So our next destination is France. Blablacar has just partnered with Voy to create a joint operation called BlablaRide. This is going to be the new name of the Voy app in France, and all of its e-scooters will also be rebranded as BlablaRide. So if you look in the show notes right now, there is a link to the story, and if you open that one, you will see the photo of the new branding of the scooter, and you will see that also branding of Voy and Blablacar itself appears on that uh, vehicle, but smaller and much less noticeable, so close to the front wheel. So the big branding is going to be now blah blah right. Outside of France, nothing changes uh, for uh, Voy and its customers, at least not for now. However, Blablacar does have plans to extend the partnership further. And this is one of the topics that I discussed the other day with Nicolas Bruchon, the CEO and co-founder of Blablacar. So let me play this conversation back to you to get a better understanding of the deal and what it actually means for the mobility landscape in Europe and France in particular. Can you just start with telling me one thing? So how long was the idea in the works in general? Is it something that was uh, sort of created by uh, COVID-19 or was it just catalyzed by COVID-19? 
No, it was more the latter. It was more catalyzed. So, so it's something that we we explored actually for the first time back in late 2018. So we had the first discussions uh, a year and a half ago. You know, to put that in context, so so Blablacar is obviously well known for long distance carpooling, uh, long distance buses with BlaBlaBus. So that's you know that's the core, I would say, of the activity in 22 countries. But over the last two years, we launched uh, carpooling for commuting. So it's really about these sort of daily journeys that people do, do uh, to go from home to work. Uh, and the average distance of those journeys is between you know, 10 and 20, 30 kilometers. So, so we've been slowly entering the cities uh, through Blabla Lines. So we have this commuting app. Uh, and it made sense for us to, to, to essentially manage the last leg, you know, the last one to five kilometer, either with bikes or e-scooters or, you know, I guess, long term, probably both. So we've been exploring that, and for sure it accelerated uh, with uh, with this crisis. Um, uh, and frankly, this whole micro mobility space is going to boom essentially post uh, post COVID nineteen because you would expect, and we already see that, but but you would expect people um, to not use uh, the metro and uh, the shared transportation, uh, public transport as much as before. Uh, so you know, bikes. Uh, e-bikes, uh, e-scooters um, uh, are going to be in high demand, and th- that's pretty clear. So, so clearly, it accelerated uh, that roadmap for us and for Voy, uh, and we decided to push that before uh, people come back out, essentially, which is happening now. Right. Yeah, that make, that makes a lot of sense. So, what sort of partnership is it then? Because from what I read, uh, you mentioned that it's not a financial, uh, not a transactional partnership, and more more like a mm-hmm. partnership uh, per se. But just to make it uh, crystal clear, did any money or stock change hands as part of this agreement? So, so it's not. Here's what I can say. I mean, it, it, it's not an MNA. It's not like a, a financial transaction. After that, we don't communicate on the details. Uh, of the partnership, but you know, we're not talking about merging the two companies or anything like that. So both companies stay very independent. And the way it works essentially is Voy is going to operate the scooters and do what they do best. So designing the scooters, buying the scooters, deploying the scooters, managing the scooters in the city. Um, we share that technology part where essentially we're going to integrate um, apps and we're going to create bridges between Blabla Lines, Blabla Car, and Blabla Ride, which is the the current Voy app. Um, so essentially, that's what we share. And then we're going to be working a lot more on distribution, marketing, and essentially bringing uh, more of the users uh, and the brand awareness to uh, to Blabla Ride. So uh, you know, in many ways, it's similar to what we've done with Blabla Bus. So so if you if you think of this long distance coach we operate, actually we're not the operator of the bus. Right. So again, we work on technology, we work on distribution, uh, but we don't work on, um, uh, on on actually operating the bus and hiring the uh, the bus drivers. Right. Okay. This uh, this makes sense. And how does it work uh, in this case for you and for Voice? So, for example, when a user takes uh, this an e-scooter ride in France on a blabla ride scooter, who gets paid initially? Yeah, so, so 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 basically, I mean, in terms of uh, of usage, it's uh, it's quite simple. Like you would download Blabla Ride, uh, which is again is the current Voy app, uh, and you, all your information are going to be saved on the app. You pay for the scooter, uh, then the money goes to you know, that bank account, and then I guess we share uh, between uh, between Voy and Blabla So from a user perspective, frankly, nothing is changing. What's going to evolve uh, over time is you'll be able to use a Blabla Connect. 
to, to connect to Blabla Ride. So essentially, you can export your profile uh, from Blabla Car, and you, we have 90 million globally, 17, actually almost 18 million in France. So you can export that. And long term, I mean, the what, what becomes interesting is to create a, a, essentially like loyalty programs between the different apps. So you, if you if you're a driver on Blabla Car and you save CO2. Uh, by being a driver on Blabla Car, you're a rider on Blabla Car, on Blabla Bus, or on Blabla Ride, you could collect points essentially, and mostly linked to you know, uh, how good you are with the environment. That'd be the, the the motto behind it. You can collect points, and then we can do a lot of cross usage. So, so that's what's going to is going to change. Yeah. Right, but there is not going to be uh, this uh, uh, mega app that would uh, uh, combine everything uh, within itself. The vision and the thing I talk about all the time is one app, one app, one app. So at some point, you want to aggregate things on a single app. And we've already been uh, doing that in the sense that you know, today, even though we have a blah, blah, bus app and a blah, blah, car app, you find everything on blah, blah, car. So eventually, the blah, blah, bus app is going to disappear. Uh, blah, blah, lines today is an independent app. Uh, you, it's maybe not going to disappear, but all the content from blah, blah, lines will be aggregated onto blah, blah, car. Um, the scooters will be eventually, in some shape or form, accessible, visible from Blah Blah Car. So you know, we want Blah Blah Car to become this multimodal app and multimodal platform, which doesn't mean you kill all the other app. I think you have to be practical. Right. And the reason you don't do that, by the way, is uh, buses and long-distance carpooling is more or less the same use case. So you search something in advance, a couple of days in advance, and you book in advance. So, so it's like one product paradigm. Um, e-bikes and e-scooters is a slightly different paradigm where you know, people tend to open the app when they bump into a device in the street. So, so I think you, you need to recognize that you know, if people use it completely differently, it might be hard to aggregate everything into a single app. So, so we might, you know, for BlaBlaRide specifically, we might and we will most likely uh, keep a separate app, but we will create lots of bridges so that essentially like you know, from one, you can book the other, you can see the other, and you can do natural bridges between the apps. Right. Another sort of nitpicking question uh, about the partnership. Is it an exclusive one? Can uh, Voy provide, for example, the same service to another company in France if it wanted to? No. So, so, so in uh, obviously, because we rebrand the entire fleet, uh, it's, it's exclusive. At least for now, it's exclusive to scooters or e-scooters, I should say, in France. Um, long term, the ambition would be to work on more countries and more mode of transport. But you know, first you need to start walking before you start, uh, you start running. So right now the playground, which is already a big, big playground if you think of it, uh, you know, it's France, um, uh, you know, the entire country, and it's e-scooters. Uh, uh, and, uh, and as a reminder, I mean, Paris is one, if not the uh, biggest city right now for micromobility, probably outside of China. Uh, but if you look at the number of uh, bikes, e bike sharing, e-bike sharing, and e-scooter sharing companies, I think that's where we have the most. Uh, so, so Paris is clearly um, an important city, uh, A, because it's been pretty liberal uh, in terms of allowing uh, all, these, all these actors to play. Uh, it's obviously a big city, it's highly touristic, even though this summer we might not have as many tourists in Paris, it will come back, so it's a, it's a highly visited city. And it's very concentrated, so people tend to forget that, but it's, uh, it's as concentrated as Manhattan. Uh, so, because we maybe don't have as 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 many parks, I guess. Um, so it's perfect for micro mobility. So it's really like you know that's one of the city where you can experiment that at scale and where the usage is probably the greater. Uh, and if you combine that with the current crisis, 
uh, you, know, you would expect it's about 10 million um, journeys actually in you know, um, Paris surrounding, so the 10 million area around Paris every day. So 10 million people actually use some kind of public transport or their car uh, every day. Uh, so if you think about even the shift of like a few percent or 10% of people going away from public transport is going to create like a massive wave of, well, either people alone in the car, it's not good, it's going to create giant traffic jams, uh, or, uh, and that's what we hope, lots of people on bikes, scooters, e-bikes, e-scooters, and so on. Right. And speaking of Paris, you mentioned that it was uh, uh, it was pretty liberal in allowing different companies to operate uh, e-scooters, but it's not the case anymore, right? Now there is going to be only few of them, and uh, uh, Paris has uh, opened this uh, call for proposals uh, recently right. from e-scooter companies, and the results actually are not uh, are not known yet. And and still, you are partnering with with uh, Voy in uh, cities including Paris. Does it mean that you know more than we do about how uh, how the whole thing is going to pan out? No, so uh, I don't, and I think no one does. I don't even think the decision is taken. Uh, at least as far as we know, the decision is not taken. Uh, wh what I meant by being uh, by, liber by being liberal is, you, if you look at London, uh, London blocked actually lots of its devices from the outset. Uh, Paris took a different, uh, and it's not France versus UK. It's really London versus Paris because it's really decided at the uh, at the city level. Uh, Paris decided to be liberal in a sense that you know, they opened up uh, two bikes. So a few years back, we had like Ofo, Mobike, and all these things actually everywhere in Paris. After that, we had the the e-scooters e pretty much everywhere in Paris. So, uh, and I think the reason Paris has been liberal is they want to solve the problem and they want to experiment. And to some extent, they're willing to let people play within reason uh, in Paris. Now we're entering a new phase. So we're entering a new phase where that's going to be more regulated, uh, which you know, in that case is not a bad thing because at some point it's true that you need some type of regulation to know where to park, where not to park uh, you know, those things, things being like you know, e-bikes, e-scooters, I mean, any free-floating device, essentially. You probably need to regulate somehow uh, the volume of offer so that it doesn't, you don't have like streets liters, litered sorry, with, um, with, with devices like that. Um, so I think it makes sense. Uh, the, the the so there is indeed a tender, and there, there will be three operators. Uh, each operator uh, will initially have five thousand e-scooters, so that's fifteen k uh, e-scooters for Paris, which is not bad, which is decent volume, um, and it might grow in the future uh, depending on demand. So I think it's going to normalize things. Um, and when we decided to partner with uh, with Voy, we looked at different things. Um, we looked, I mean, first we wanted to be European. So, so it's, a, it's a French Swedish um, association. Uh, and, th and that was important. Uh, number two, uh, we wanted to pick a partner uh, that did a great job uh, of the environment. So, so, so um, VOI was clearly the best uh, in terms of being um, a zero carbon emission and doing the best job uh, on improving the quality and the next generation of scooters that now last for two years. So, so it's, a, it's a long lifetime. Mm -hmm. You can repair them and so on and so on. Um, uh, and last but not least, respecting respecting the rules. So, so Voy has been like a good citizen in most cities, uh, in all cities, mainly in Paris, um, respecting the quota, not putting too many too many e-scooters. So we believe you know, that's going to pay off. But today, as you say, the um, it's not yet decided. But you know, we decided to go out nonetheless. Uh, 
Uh, and as a reminder, they already operate in other cities, uh, obviously outside of France, but even in France, uh, they won the tender for Marseille. Um, and sure. they are in the running for, for, for different cities in France. So they're already there. It's not that they, they're not, it's not the entry into the market, but obviously it would be a game changer to work with us, to win Paris, to win over big cities uh, and to deploy that uh, nationwide. And do you think that actually this partnership, uh, uh, given that you are a big French company, do you think this this partnership will actually sort of help Voy to get a, uh, to get a foothold in Paris? Do you think it's going to sort of um, yeah aid its effort? Well, you, you would think it's going to help. I mean, few, few things are going to help. I mean, probably having two strong actors together, um, financially well backed, uh, and that are here to survive. Uh, but I think the main point actually for cities and region is this multimodal argument. So today we are in discussion with cities, with region across the country uh, with blah, blah lines, because you know, today carpooling has been officially integrated as a, uh, as a mean of public transport. Uh, I'm talking about the commuting side, so blah, blah lines, um, the home to work uh, carpooling. And for us, it makes sense to have more to offer. So if we can offer e-scooters, eventually e-bikes, plus um, short distance or, or commuting type carpooling, we have a bigger offer. Uh, and we believe that that what makes the, the, the thing more appealing, actually, it's more like the multimodal aspect. And again, two actors, well-financed, pretty global scale uh, that are here to stay. Absolutely. And speaking of financing, uh, you and Voy, you have one big investor in common, that's uh, Vostok New Ventures. Uh, did this play any role in the decision to partner with uh, Voy on your side? No, I mean, indirectly, yes, because we, I guess we know each other through uh, Vostok New Ventures, so as the, uh, the investor you, you're referring to. Um, so we've known each other through that circle and, uh, uh, and we initially talked together. Um, after that, it's not again as we as we said, it's not an MA, It's not like a, you know, a big financial uh, transaction. It's a commercial agreement. Um, so it played a minor role. So it's it right. more like you know, a DNA uh, matching more than anything. Right. And you mentioned uh, uh, the idea that there will be more countries uh, coming into this uh, uh, into this sort of vision of yours to get e-scooters and bikes on the roads. Can you maybe mention any of the countries that would be on the top of the list? No, because we don't know yet. So, so today, I mean, we, we just announced uh, uh, France. So, so we want to do this well. Uh, and frankly, it's the beginning of that story. Uh, it starts with Paris, uh, which obviously is the, the, the magnet uh, in, uh, in this country in terms of, uh, of mobility. Uh, so we'll probably be doing that for you know, quite some time. I mean, quite some time might be half a year to a year. I, I don't know exactly. Um, my point was more the ambition uh, is clearly to offer more mode of transports. Uh, it means e-bikes, essentially. I mean, there are not like 20,000. Uh, different mode of transport. So you're offering e-bikes specifically to big cities in France would make a lot of sense. Uh, and we see that people you know, tend to use both. I mean, some people are 100% e-bikes, some people are going to be 100% uh, e-scooters. But the truth is, they more or less they more or less serve the same uh, the same need. Slightly different machines, but more or less the same need. Um, and if it works well, possibly other countries as well. Uh, you know, if it works well. Uh, in France, we could think of Spain, we could think of Germany, I mean, mostly Europe, where, where BlaBlaCar is strong. So because where we can play that multimodal aspect in a meaningful way.
Right. But for e-bikes, you're also looking at uh, partnerships uh, with uh, fleet operators, right? Yeah, totally. And uh, you know, and, and possibly very much with Void, it would make sense. Uh, right. so, so the idea would be to expand around that partnership. Uh, but again, you're one step at a time. Uh, Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's a new adventure. It's a new chapter. Uh, we need to make it work. Uh, we need to, to make sure users actually like it. We need to make sure uh, the multimodal aspect actually works, so that we can demonstrate you know, additional demand, but not just additional demand. We can demonstrate those use cases of you know, connecting people in the city and in and out of the city. Just maybe just to, to throw um, a number that maybe explains the potential here. Uh, if you look at BlaBlaCar and BlaBlaBus, uh, we're talking about a million people, so individuals, uh, getting in and out of Paris uh, inner circle every year. So that's a, that's a large amount of people. I mean, Paris is roughly 3 million people. Paris and, uh, and surrounding, it's around 10. Uh, so you know, a million people being picked up and dropped off by a BlaBlaCar or a BlaBlaBus in inside Paris, also where the scooters would operate. So you know, it's a pretty high potential of connecting in and out of the city and within the city, uh, even though that might not be the the main use case. The main use case are really people like you know jumping, um, essentially doing short rides within the city. But I think it's fundamentally important to offer a solution between a no car world, which is you know uh, the inner side of Paris, or at least that's the ambition of the inner side of Paris, and uh, a suburb world, which is a car world. And that's not going to change overnight, and that's probably never going to change. So at some point, you need to create those bridges, and otherwise, it's never going to work. Like you know, you're not going to build giant parkings, uh, or maybe we should, but you know, there are no giant parkings uh, outside of Paris where you can just drop your car and suddenly jump on something else. And, uh, and you know, uh, I grew up in the suburb of Paris. Both my parents had cars because that's the only way you could go suburb to suburb, and that's true of many many large cities, I guess. Of course. Okay, we've got five more minutes, so let's do a, um, let's say, a mandatory COVID-19 uh, catch-up. So uh, first, what's the status of uh, uh, Blah Blah Ride in this case? It's going to be operational uh, from uh, June 5, so uh, all the yeah. restrictions are lifted uh, in, uh, in in France at this point? Yes, so, so, so if we take it, you know, if we look at the landscape of, uh, of transport today in France uh, specifically, uh, short distance travel, uh, most of the restrictions are lifted. Uh, you still have the social distancing or physical distancing restrictions. For bike and scooters, that's okay. So bikes and, sc and scooters are not affected by that uh, at the time um, at the time being. For long distance, we expect, but actually the, uh, the prime minister, I think, is going to talk today, uh, but we expect the 100-kilometer uh, ban uh, to, to, to disappear. So today, you're not supposed to travel more than 100 kilometers unless you absolutely have to. Uh, I think, I don't know, we'll find out pretty soon. But between now and end of June and early summer, we expect that's that's going to disappear and, uh, and long distance travel is going to come back. Uh, interestingly, uh, on that aspect, uh, we see in, in most countries, actually, we see carpooling coming back quite fast. And, and it's coming back quite fast because there is a strong passenger preference toward carpooling because you end up with only two people, at least right now, because we have this feature of being alone in the back, um, you have two people in the car. So you minimize the number of contact and you're in a vehicle that, you know, it's not like thousands of people, th th thousand people actually went through that vehicle. Um, so we see a strong preference uh, on, on carpooling and we see strong solidarity uh, from the driver's side. So, so in countries like Germany, 
um, just maybe like a couple of weeks ahead in terms of like you um, being de-locked down, uh, you, we see carpooling coming back very, very fast and, uh, and very strongly faster than uh, than buses, and I suspect which we see uh, and faster than trains. I suspect. For that right. Uh, right. And how about the rest of uh, the rest of Europe? Uh, how how it is going for a blah blah car in other countries? Yeah, it's interesting. So, so we see um, in Europe, we see Poland and Germany clearly ahead in terms of uh, of recovery and things picking up. Um, France in the in the middle. So, so it is now picking up. It has picked up in the last couple of weeks, and we expect really the inflection point to be next week, assuming again, assuming the hundred kilometer ban is uh, is lifted. Uh, Spain and Italy very much in lockdown mode still, right? So, so we see almost no activity. And again, it's just people don't travel. So, so that's probably going to relax in, I'm guessing, a couple of weeks. So right. what's going to be interesting is really, in that sense, like watching the you know, mid-June to September is going to be very interesting. Because today, if you ask me, um, you know, do we have any forecast for the summer? We don't. Frankly, no one has. Like no one knows. So, so you know, we might see uh, a fraction of the activity. We might see almost like you know people coming back full on carpool. And you have so many factors uh, going on between you know psychology, regulation, what I described, like preference toward carpooling, um, because you minimize the number of contact. So very hard to predict. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see you know what's um, what's going to happen to that whole world of transport and specifically to us uh, during um, during the summer. Yeah, that was in fact my uh, my next and last question because uh, uh, the company has been on a quite a growth trajectory so far, mm -hmm. and uh, if I'm not mistaken, last year you grew by seventy one percent year right. on year. So do you? So you don't have any numbers that you would expect to see after twenty twenty? What do you think? What is it going to be? No, I think I think right now you, it's it's one of these um, interesting times where it's much easier to predict the long term than predict the short term. Uh, so so if you ask me like you know, what's going to happen in twenty one twenty two, it's almost I have a clear picture that yes, I, I expect people will go back to shared travel. I think we're going to be in an economic downturn somehow, um, uh, and that low cost travel, which we do money saving, which we do for driver. Uh, is going to be stronger than ever uh, because you know, those trends, those vectors uh, were here before, and I think they're going to come back. Now, short term, how long is it going to take between you know, between where we are now and a full recovery and beyond a full recovery and back to growth? I don't know. Might be six months, might be eighteen months. Um, so today, financially, we prepare ourselves for you know, a slow recovery, uh, but ready to react because it might go faster. I'll give you a, a small example of a country like Ukraine, uh, where we operate. Um, today, we see more activity than ever, which sounds very counterintuitive. And the reason is exactly what I described. Things are, have reopened. Um, bus networks are still quite dysfunctional because they could not reboot as fast because you know, they lost. Um, I mean, some countries went, uh, went bankrupt. Uh, some countries don't have uh, uh, bus drivers. The train network has not restarted in full. And people prefer carpooling. So our cars are very full, and we are at a level that's higher than the plan outside of COVID. So, so we might see some surprises in some uh, in some countries where again carpooling is uh, is the, the the winner out of that. But again, we you know, it's best to plan for worse, hope for the best, and uh, and that's how we at least like financially manage the company. And 
maybe as, as a side note on that, we, I guess we've been lucky to be uh, well-funded and uh, it was always one of the big things for us was something I always tell entrepreneurs is like you raise money when you have money and make sure you have a strong balance sheet because at the end of the day, uh, a startup is it's two things, cash and engineers. And, uh, right. and that's what we have today. So we can rebound uh, well, number one. And number two, we can innovate. So it allowed us uh, during this downturn or during this service crisis, um, you know, we kept the entire staff, uh, the engineering staff, sorry, we kept the entire engineering staff working. And that's how we've done you know, Blah Blah Help with this new app to help people uh, do, do their groceries during the crisis. That's how we finished um, the partnership with Blah Blah Ride and we able to launch something post-crisis. Um, so, so I think you know, that engineering effort and the fact that we we add enough cash to any way weather uh, a long winter uh, will pay off. Like differentially, will pay off uh, in the long run. Right. And to wrap things up and combine the questions of financials to questions about uh, blah blah right, do you actually expect blah blah right to contribute in a meaningful way to the uh, corporate PL in the near future at all? Yeah, it will. I mean, initially, it's clearly smaller than you know, 22 countries and 90 million people like you know, riding and taking buses on a, on a global scale. Um, uh, but it's very high frequency, right? So, so people use you know, those e-scooters on a, on, a, on a high repeat uh, basis. Um, so I think it depends very much on how many cities we win, essentially, in France, right? So, so if you start winning Paris, Lyon, and, and, and several cities, then the scale of the business in France can become meaningful. And then if you start to do e-bikes and a couple of other countries, yes, it can, right? On a, on a two, three-year horizon, it can, it can become a significant part of, uh, of the business. But in any case, our, our vision is just to diversify. And that's what we've been doing over the last two or three years, diversify the means of, of transport under the, the Blah Blah brand, right? So, so to, today, it's like one new leg, and we maybe have other legs. Uh, in the future, and we re-leverage really that uh, community, that brand, that uh, that, that mobi those mobility uh, connections, uh, um, which gives us like a very strong advantage. I think. Understood, Nicola. Thanks again for answering Thank the questions. Thanks for joining, and uh, good luck with everything. Thank you. Thanks for your time. And this is it for our today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I do hope you enjoyed it. Please help us spread the word. Tell a friend or colleague about this show and follow our updates on Twitter at tech underscore EU. Audio engineering of this podcast is done by SoundPulse, that is sound-pulse.com. Please feel free to email us with any questions, suggestions, and opinions at podcast at techeu. I am going to talk to you on Thursday in our new special episode. Until then, enjoy your week and take care. Bye-bye.